Open your Bibles now to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. As you turn there, I was just thinking as we were as we were singing, what a, what an awesome thing it is to know God is about to speak to us. And I think sometimes we can become numb to that. We can get cold to that. Right now, what an awesome thing our God, the living God, is about to speak to us through his word. What an awesome thing that is. In our Wednesday night Bible study this week, we saw that people's problems occur when we do what is right in our own eyes. And that was the, the truth, one of the truths of the lesson on Wednesday night. Uh, problems occur when we do what is right in our own eyes. Now, if you think about it, that's a pretty good definition of sin. I want to seek my own end. I want to satisfy myself. I want to serve myself. And so I disregard what God desires and I do what it is that I want to do. Well, that's a pretty good explanation of sin. Well, we saw Wednesday, when we do that, we suffer. When we do that, there are consequences for that, and trouble always follows. Trouble always comes. Then we saw on Wednesday night, when a society does that, when a nation does that, that's when you have all sorts of societal trouble, cultural Trouble. That is really uh, the reality of what we see in our day today. Uh, think about this. We live in a, in a nation, we live in a world where we reject the standard of God. In our lawmaking, in our action, in, in, in the things we take up, we reject the direction of God. And in doing so, our culture becomes trouble-filled. Uh, the culture, the day that we're living in, the, the systems that we participate in, are marked by and filled with trouble. Well, the great question then is, how do we keep that from happening? When we, when we turn to sin as an individual, we have trouble. When we turn to sin, disregarding God's standard as a nation, as a people, we have trouble. Well, how do we keep that from happening? In our personal lives, how do we keep that from happening? In our homes, in, in our society, how do we keep that from happening? Well, there is an answer. The answer is this. We have to be so absorbed in the word of God. Now, I want you to listen. That's a pretty radical word. We have to be so absorbed, consumed, entrenched in the word of God that it is in us and it, it is on our mind and it is in our heart. It is always before us. And God's voice then becomes our standard. How do you protect your life? How do you protect your home? How do we have a, a nation that looks like and honors God? We have to be so absorbed to the, in the word of God that it becomes the voice of our standard. Notice all the way through the Bible. In fact, I'll just tell you all the way through history, trouble starts when people leave the word of God as their standard. And you can go through the Bible and you can go account after account after account. That's what we're looking at on Wednesday nights. You can go through human history. Trouble starts when people leave the word of God as their standard. Well, tonight we are back, and I'll just tell you that it's nothing flashy. We're back in the process. We're back putting in the effort. We're back putting in the work of taking in the word of God. Now, I want to tell you this. There is good news, and the good news is I tell you all that, and you say, man, that sounds hard, that sounds heavy, 
That, that sounds like a big job to undertake. Here's the good news. It will bear good fruit. And I'll just tell you, in your home, in your personal life, in our church, in our town, it will bear good fruit. It's not without benefit. When we endeavor to take in the Word of God, I can promise you this, it will bear good fruit. We're in the middle of what's called the 30 sayings. I think it's very interesting. These are 30 truths that God has set aside as important for us to know. And so we're going through the Proverbs, and here's his wisdom, here's his wisdom, and then he takes a chunk of 30 sayings, pulls them out, and says these things are especially important, are vital for you to know. Last week as we finished up, we finished the 23rd chapter, and we ended on saying 18. Well, tonight we're going to start back. We're going to start in the 24th chapter, and we're going to start with saying 19. All right, saying 19, chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, God's Word says this. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their minds devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. Listen to that again. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their minds devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. Now, saying 19 has a command, and then I'm thankful it also has an explanation of the why behind the command. God sees that is necessary for us. And so it gives us a command to follow, but it also gives us an explanation of the why behind that command. Now, the command is this. Do not be envious of evil men, people, or desire to be with them. Now, here's the thing. Here's the deal. With people, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's just in us. With people, we always think it's better over there. You ever notice that? That's what we do as people. We always, we're looking over there and we're looking over there and we always think it's always better over there. You ever notice, folks, if we get this job and then they get that job and they think, well, maybe that's a better job. Maybe if I could just do that. Maybe if I could just have that. Or we get this house and, and oh, if, if we just could get that house. And we start to look over there. Or we get this spouse and we start to say, well, maybe somewhere out there, there's a better spouse. That's actually a true story. We always think it's better somewhere else. We always think somebody's got it better. Well, with that inclination, there is a tendency for people who are trying to walk with God, who are working, actually putting in the effort to live according to the word of God. They're trying to be obedient to God's standard, there's, the, there's this inclination to start to think, well, we're missing something. We're trying to follow God. We're trying to be obedient. But there's this, there's this natural inclination to start to look around and say, hey, that looks attractive. Hey, it looks like they're having all the fun. That, hey, that looks like that's exciting. We're, we're missing something by committing to living according to the word of God. And we have the danger in that of becoming envious. And so I'm over here and all I can do is do what the Bible says and God said this and I've got to do these things and they're having all the fun over there. And there's a danger of becoming envious. Now it's not just that. As I've noticed God does, 
he takes it and he ups it a notch. And he says, now not only don't be jealous of those people, listen to this, very practical. He says, but don't even desire to be with them. Don't seek to be with them. Now, over and over and over again in our study in Proverbs, we have seen our associations matter. Who we associate with, it matters. Who we're friends with, it matters. Especially our closest relationships. All of them, but especially our closest relationships, they absolutely matter. And so what happens is we end up and we say, well, you know what, I, I, I like that person. Now, I, I see some problems here. They're, they're not really trying to live to honor God. They're really not trying to, to live according to the word of God, but I like them. And you know what, I can control myself. I know who I am. And you know what, I'm not going to, now they do those things, but I'm not going to do those things. And, and, I, and, I, and I'll be fine, but I can run with him or them, those that do. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, very clearly, we've seen it, you become like those you run with. We think we're going to pull them up. That doesn't happen. Instead, they pull us down. The Bible says a little leaven leavens the entire lump. And so the command is, do not be envious of evil men, nor even desire to be with them. Now, that's plain enough, but I, I read that, and I think, you know what? But that's still not enough. We read that and say, well, you know what? I can control myself. I'll be fine. I know better than God. I know who I am. And we start to say, why? Why, why do I have to live like that? So God actually gives us the why. Here's the why. It says, for their minds devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. Now, I want you to see this. The Hebrew word for violence here is not just this extreme understanding that, wow, they're not walking with God, so they're a violent person. They injure people. They start riots. It's not, it's not always that extreme understanding. The, the Hebrew word means sparks havoc, social sin, or ruin. And so you know what? It could be an act of violence, but it could be an act that's just opposed to God, an act that's going to bring your ruination, a, a, an entrance into social sin. Here's the truth. If they're not led by God's word, then they're going to act opposite of God's word. And they are going to run to sin. The Bible says this, their minds are plotting how to sin. So these folks, you want to be with them, you want to experience what they're doing, their minds are devising ways to run to sin. It says, their lips talk of trouble. The Hebrew word for trouble means mischief, sorrow, or unjustness. And so not led by the word of God, their words reflect their heart, and they speak of sin, and they speak of ways that would entice us to sin. Here's the point. That's a lot of words to say this. God is good, and his ways are good, and his word leads us to goodness, to good things. And so listen to this. And so anything less is less than. Anything less is a downgrade. You ever go somewhere and think you're going to get something and it's not as good? You ever go somewhere and they say, well, we're out of that, but we've got one of these, but, and it's not as good, it's a downgrade. 
Anything less than the goodness of the Word of God is a downgrade. And if you're willing to trade that for that, it's going to be less than. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their minds devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. All right, moving to saying number 20, chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Let me read that to you again. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. All right, I'm going to tell you, I read that. And I say, good grief. Do you ever feel like God wants you to know something? And he, he wants you to know something, and you've got to get it, and so he just pounds it into you? You ever, you ever feel like that? Here we go again. Here we go again. Here, the same subject. Here we go again. Well, listen, God wants us to get this. Here we go again. His word is truth. His word is the reliance, the giving of his wisdom. In his word, God is giving us his perfect wisdom. And so God says, take in my word. Study my word. Know the word of God. Now, it seems like we hear that over and over again. God says, get wisdom. Spend time in the Word of God. Be consumed in the Word of God. Take in the Word of God. Over and over and over again we hear that. <laughs> evidently there's a reason, and evidently that reason is we're still not convinced of that. I found these statistics. I think they're wrong, <laughs> but let me just tell you what they are. How many hours were in last week? We were here last weekend. We're back tonight. How many hours were in last week? 168 hours, 10,080 minutes. Here's a question. Don't answer out loud. How much time for you was spent in God's Word? Hearing it, reading it, studying it. One hour a day would be tremendous. One hour a day would be phenomenal. Did you know that would be seven out of 168 hours? Seven out of 168 hours would be spent in the Word of God. If you were to spend 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes in the, in the Word of God would be fabulous. It would be three and a half hours out of 168 hours were given to the study of the Word of God. Here's a statistic I found. I think these people are lying, but here's what they say. 11% of Americans say they read the Bible daily. I don't think it's that high, but 11% 11, 11 say I read the Bible daily. Of those 11% that say they read the Bible daily, 28%, the high end, 28% say they spend 30 minutes a day reading the Bible. So what that means is this. If these are, I think those are inflated, but these are right numbers. 3% of Americans are spending three and a half out of 168 hours in the study of the Bible. Now listen, that's not to discourage us. This is to encourage us. I want you to see the picture here. See the picture of the verse. 
You ever build a house? You ever been through that process? You ever watch a house, a home being built? You ever remodel a house? Here's the truth. Now watch this. You get what you put in. You get what you pay for. And that's the picture that, that God is painting for here, here. There was a time, and I don't know if, if wood was cheap, there was a time when you used to go by sometime a job site, and they would be framing a house with two-by-six studs. I can remember that. You can use two-by-sixes. You can use two-by-fours. You can build a house on 16-inch centers. I've been by houses, and they're using 24-inch centers to build a house. You can get the cheap roofing material, or you can spend the, the money and get 30-year roofing material. Same way with carpet. Just keep going. You can do it right or you can cut some corners all around the house. And what you're going to end up with is the sum of what you've put in. And that's what it is. When it's done, it's done. When they back up, what you have, what you end up with is the sum of what you put in. Well, God's picture is this. If you're going to build a house, you want it stout. Don't you want it stout? You want your grandkids to come and say, we inherited the house and this house is stout. It's established. You want it to be strong. Now, not just that, but you want it to be right. Now, now not just that, you want it to be impressive. What an impressive house. You ever go into a house and you walk in and, and you go through the rooms and you go, that's awesome. That, that's breathtaking. That's tremendous. You ever, you ever go in a kitchen and go, wow, look at, look at this kitchen. And you go in the bedrooms and you go to the bathroom and the, and the shower. Wow, look at that. How impressive. You see all of the details and you see all of the fixtures and man, it blows you away. Well, God says we will end up with the sum of what we put in. And be very sure tonight, we're building something more important than a house. We're building a life. And so he says this, if you're going to build it, Put in the word of God. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. All right, saying 21 tonight, verses 5 and 6. A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge increases power. For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Let me read it again. A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge increases power. For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Here's what I've noticed. There are a at least a million books on being successful. There's TV shows, there's, there's YouTube stuff, you can go look at stuff, but there's at least a million books. There's an entire industry, John Maxwell, others, there's an entire industry on being successful. Whatever field you pick, being successful in business, being successful in real estate, being successful in sports, all areas of life, five habits of a successful person, Think and grow rich. A Navy SEAL's secret to success. On and on and on. There's all sorts of information on how to be successful. Well, God tells us here what makes a strong person, what makes a powerful person, a person that endures, that's the picture, 
and succeeds. What is it that makes a person prosper, succeed, and endure? Well, guess what? It is a person possessing godly wisdom. A wise man is strong. Now, the Hebrew word for strong means mighty, able to hold, not going to crater, not going to cave, able to hold. So a wise man is set, is fixed, is able to hold. A man of knowledge increases power. And the word power in the original language in Hebrew means ability, efficiency, able to do. A man of knowledge is able to do. They're able to do these things. Now, how do you become wise? Now, we've seen this many times. It's by the intake of God's word, the study of God's word. Well, verse 6 actually tells us of another way that we can become wise. The intake of God's word, the other way, is in the wise counsel of others. Now, stay with me. You have to, you have to understand this. We can gain godly wisdom. We can gain wisdom, which is going to lead to success in the listening and the hearing and the gleaning of the wisdom of others. Now, that's what the Bible's saying here. We can, we can be prosperous by gaining wisdom, by listening and gleaning of the wisdom of others. Now, I want you to see two important things. Now, now don't go to sleep. If you just hear that, you're going to end up in trouble. Two important things. First is this. Dumb is the person, hindered is the person who thinks they know everything. And that's the first thing we see in this, in this section here. Hindered, dumb, is the person who thinks they know everything. There's a lot of folks, you may know some of them, and you can't tell them anything because they're not going to listen to anything. They know what's best. They know what's right. They know how they're going to do it. You can't tell them anything. They're not going to listen to anything. They already know it all. And so there is a warning here. I wrote it down like this. We may know some things, but no one knows most things. And what we do know is probably a lot less than what we think we know. And that's the truth, I believe. There's nobody that knows everything. There's people that act like it. There's nobody that knows everything. And whatever it is you think you know, you probably know a whole lot less than you think you know. So here's the first thing. Be smart and seek the counsel of others. That's a wise person. That's a person that's going to have the tools to prosper with godly wisdom. Be smart, understand your limitations, and seek the counsel of others. But the second thing is this, and it's even more important. Here's the, here's the kicker, and it's the vital piece of this. Be smart, however, in whose counsel you seek. And I think this is the most important part, and I think it's the part, if you run off and say, I'm going to go seek for counsel, I'm going to go round up some folks and hear what they have to say, you can spend all of your hours listening to the information, the opinions of others. Be smart in whose counsel you seek. Verse 6, it says, notice this, wise guidance. Not just guidance, wise guidance. Well, what is wisdom? True wisdom is godly wisdom. It's God's wisdom. Where do we get God's wisdom? Here goes the circle again. It is in the word of God. And so we should seek counsel. And I'm going to tell you, the more the better. 
But that counsel must be godly wisdom. It must be godly counsel from people that know the word of God. Listen, we don't need any more opinions. We've got enough opinions. We need the truth from the word of God. Let me tell you one of my favorite things. One of my favorite things is to talk to a person and to be seeking answers or seeking advice and for them to answer in verses. You know anybody like that in your world, in your life? You go and say, I don't know what's happening here and I can't understand this and I need some guidance here. And the person says, well, God's word says this. Well, this verse says that. Well, I'm not sure what I would do, but God's word says this. And they answer in verses. Be careful whose counsel you take in. It must be godly counsel. Now, I'm about to end right there. We're going to stop on that saying. But I was thinking about this. Do you know that is one of the intended benefits of the church? That's one of the, the intended benefits, the blessings of the church. We do not have to reinvent the wheel with every generation. So I don't know why we do. We don't have to crash into every wall to figure out that wall's not going to move and it's going to hurt us. We don't have to crash into every wall to understand that's not smart, that's not wise. There is a better way. And so listen, in the church, God in his, in his infinitely wise plan is assembling people that should be deep in godly wisdom. Let me tell you what's a pity. A pity is if that's not happening. A pity is if we got a generation that doesn't know the word of God. A pity is if one of those two generations takes off and doesn't participate in the church. One of the blessings of the church is that we will be absorbing and passing on godly wisdom. What a pity for one of those players to, to take off and not participate in God's plan. Here's the truth. We have to seek godly wisdom. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and I'm thankful that you spoke tonight. And I'm thankful that this is your word tonight. And I'm thankful that we can trust it tonight. And I'm thankful that it's without error tonight. And I'm thankful that it carries the authority, not of an expert, but of the living God of all creation. Lord, I'm thankful that you're gracious enough to give it to us, that you're loving enough to care to see that we would have it. Lord, I pray now as we've heard three more sayings, I pray that we would stack them up. I pray that we would consider them on our beds tonight and tomorrow as we go to a new week. I pray that it would change how we live, and how we think, how we process, how we speak, how we act. And I pray the fruit of that is not some heavy burden, some duty that we can't carry. The fruit of that would be the grace of God, a yoke that is light, peace the world can't give, and joy in the midst of hard times. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for your word and your truth. I pray that we take it in, we live it out. Lord, I'm thankful for these that have come tonight to hear this. I'm thankful for those that are listening in some other means, some other way tonight. I pray that for all of us, again, that we would be wise and, and consume and devour your word. We're thankful you give it to us. Lord, I pray as we go back to a new week, I pray that we would go 
understanding we carry good news and that we have peace where the world doesn't. And I pray we'd be agents of the gospel of Jesus Christ, ambassadors of your love, your grace, your message. Lord, I pray for things coming up this week, uh, things that are hard, things that some will, will be caught off guard in. I pray that we'd be quick to, and mindful to turn back to your word, to your truth and walk in that. And then we just end this Lord's Day by saying, Lord, we're thankful that we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope, that we don't have to search as those who have no direction, that we don't have to wonder as those that the world's been shaken up and jerked out from under us, but that it's all finished in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that. We love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.